Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And I'm... uh, I'm using some new equipment today, and we're testing a new way of doing the radio show. And we're going to be doing regular podcasts, and uh, we're also going to be making uh, videos uh, that will be uh, trying to express this idea of seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What does that look like? How do you do that? Uh, what do you do to make that a reality? And uh, I can't do it all. Uh, I have no real staff. Uh, we have no real wages here. We, we don't do this for the money. So we're dependent in order to create a national, international network of people. It's going to be up to you. But liberty has always been up to you. Being free has always been up to you. Being righteous has certainly has always been up to you. So it's just a matter of whether or not you're going to do it. And uh, you don't have to wait for anybody else to start that process. You just have to repent and seek the kingdom of God. Repent meaning to think a different way. It's not dependent on, on what other people think. It's not dependent upon what other people do. It's completely up to you that, you know, to seek life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness uh, is a job that is left to the individual. And happiness is really just a byproduct of righteousness. You don't really seek happiness. You seek righteousness. And happiness will come as a byproduct of that. It doesn't mean that it will just automatically come. It won't come easily. But it will be up to you. And if you want to be happy, the key thing is is that you want... Happiness for others. You want righteousness for others. You you want to be free? You have to want freedom for others. You cannot... Whatever you want for yourself, you have to want that for others. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. Other people can make choices that are bad. You simply have to stop making bad choices. You know, who are you going to marry? Who are you going to... Uh, how are you going to raise your children? How are you going to make a living? These are choices that you have. Like I said this morning when I was talking, there is your opinion of reality. There is my opinion of reality. And there is God's opinion of reality. The problem with you, depending upon your own power to decide good and evil, right and wrong, righteousness or unrighteousness, the problem with that is it's going to bump into everybody else's. And uh, you you don't carry enough weight to make that, your reality, truth. So you have to find truth. You have to find God's opinion of reality. And one of the places we look for that is in the Bible. But unfortunately, if you're not looking with the right eyes, listening with the right ears, you will not get it. You will not hear it. I was just talking to uh, someone from another country this morning, and uh, we were talking about uh, the the phrase "pay it forward." We were talking about 
fixing something and they said, I want to fix it right so it won't be a problem to anybody else. He didn't want to fix it so it won't be a problem to him, but he didn't want to, he wanted to fix it so it wouldn't be a problem to the next generation, to somebody else, someone else down the road. Even if you were, owned a place and you were fixing it up to sell it, are you fixing it up just so you get that check cleared, last till the check clears, or are you fixing it up so that the next person will not receive headaches and burdens and difficulties? Because, you know, the, the phrase came up, the phrase, pay it forward. People talk about doing favors for others, pay it forward. Do, you know, if somebody does good for you, you do good for somebody else. What most people are doing is they're billing it forward. <laughs> they're passing it on. The, they they want what they want now and somebody else can worry about paying for it la- later. The antithesis of Sabbath keeping. Sabbath keeping is about debt. We talked this morning about feasts. So many people want to have the feast. They want to have... Everybody wants to have festivals now. Festivals are the, one of the most popular events of the in, in public life there is today uh there are people making millions and millions and millions of dollars on festivals we just talked about the burning man festival four hundred dollars per person some of them paying thousands of dollars to get special treatment but uh, the reality if you just figured a hundred dollars per person and you multiply that times fifty thousand that's five million dollars if they clear $200 per person out of the $400 entry fee, well, that, how much is that? <laughs> that is considerable. Uh, you're talking millions upon millions of dollars that they're making with these deals, and it takes a lot of effort to do it. Uh, Burning Man started with like nine people going out there to the desert, and it grew from there. And they learned how to put on a festival and, and make it a bigger and bigger event. But, of course, we admit that that's low-hanging fruit. You're getting... There are people who travel from England. Uh, someone local uh, knows somebody that travels travels from England every year uh, to go to the Burning Man Festival. And they... You know, that's a big expense. Come all the way over, go there. And for what? what? Why do they go there? Why do so many people go? Well, there's lots of so-called music. And some of it's probably good. There's supposedly a lot of art, but there's kind of a, kind of a, it's all the festivities and the, the festival activity of it. And some of that's not bad, but most of it, you know, that's the thing is that when you, when you do something for a variety of reasons, some of the reasons taint the whole thing, spoil the whole pudding, so to speak, and have a counter effect that of what the festivals were with Israel in the beginning. The festivals had a purpose of uniting a nation so that it wouldn't be overrun by other nations, so that the people would not be enslaved. They would not become subject to dictators. And that, that festival was part of a whole system of uniting the people. And most of the people who want to have the festival now, they have it for the wrong reason. They They don't even... They don't even know what the right reason is. It's like keeping the Sabbath. The people who keep, or think of themselves as Sabbath keepers and they, they go to church on Saturday instead of on Sunday. And they think they're Sabbath keepers. Or even if they, Sabbath was never about going to church. Sabbath was celebrated in the home. 
And, but they still don't know what the Sabbath was all about. I would, I would estimate 90%, and that, that's a generous estimate of the people who consider themselves Sabbath keepers, whether Jew or Christian, do not understand what the Sabbath is. They don't understand what Jesus or what God was talking about when he mentions the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments. That Sabbath in the Ten Commandments was about debt, about working first and taking your rest. It's about when you take your rest in relationship to when you earn your rest. That's what it was about. They are completely oblivious to that. To me, when I read it, it just jumps out at me. It's so obvious. You know, why Why can't people see that? Now, honoring thy father and the mother. I heard somebody talking about that just the other day uh, in great detail about honoring your father and your mother. Actually, there was an article written, and I may write an article encountering it, that there is no more honor. And I respect the guy who wrote the article. He's, you know, the coach. We'll call him the coach. And uh, I think he's he's not far from the kingdom, but he doesn't know what the word honor means in the Bible. The Hebrew word for honor, he doesn't know what it means. He has probably a better sense of what honor means in one sense than the average guy. But he doesn't know what it actually means. It's the definition of the word that he it confuses him. Uh, because he doesn't know it. Nobody's taught it. But yet, I see in his life, there is that spirit of honoring, but he doesn't, when he goes to articulate it, he's talking about the definition of honor by looking it up in Webster's Dictionary. Well, what came first, Webster's Dictionary or the Bible? The Webster's Dictionary is attempting to define an English word as it is used today. You can look through all the Webster's Dictionary and they change the definitions according to common use today. Well, the Bible wasn't written today. It was written back then. It's what the word meant back then that you need to find out. And of course, we've talked about that. Religion. What is religion? Is that what you think about God? Because that's what the dictionary says today. But that's not what it meant when the Bible was written. And most of the time when they say religion, they're talking about bad religion. They're not talking about good religion. Well, what, what, what do they think? What do they believe that it meant back then? Well, the definition of the word threskia is what you do. The definition of pure religion is what you do being done, which is the taking care of the needy of society, without the spots. Of the world, and the word world was constitutional order and systems of government. So a lot of people go out there and they take care of the needy of society. They maybe even vote for programs to take care of the needy of society because they think of themselves as compassionate. But they spot their care for the needy with force. Because they have the government providing for the needy by forcing the contributions of the people. Well, if you want to force the contributions of the people, you will be enslaved. You will be brought into bondage because you want to put your neighbor into bondage and force your neighbor to take care of the needy of your society. We haven't even got into the question as the way in which you take care of the needy, who you give what to and when. I mean, 
You think taking care of the needy is allowing them to have medical care. Well, a great deal of medical care kills people. Doctors kill more people than guns. With medical mistakes, that's their statistic. They will tell you that we kill more people with medical mistakes than you kill with guns of any kind. You can actually throw in knives and baseball bats. They still kill more people with medical mistakes. And uh, the solutions of modern medicine often are do more damage than good. The side effects. You just read the side effects. Be a student of side effects, not a student of medicine. You're a better student of medicine if you read the side effects first, because that's what you... There are people taking two, three, four, five drugs every week or every day sometimes. And most of those drugs are to counteract the symptoms of drugs they were already taking. Also, in going to the doctor to take those drugs, you know, health by pharmaceutica, you are actually failing to do what you probably should do from the beginning. Like change your diet. Change your ways. Change your attitude. Change your actions. Your activity. Now, I'm not saying don't go to a doctor. But get wisdom first. Get self-discipline first. You know, I, I know people who were killing themselves. They knew they were killing themselves with their habits of smoking and eating. And they went to the doctor so that they can keep doing those bad things that were destroying their health. It's uh, it's uh, amazing. And, and they admitted it. But they didn't want to stop the bad habit. And they also, uh, some of those people I know personally, mistreated their spouse, their neighbor, their children. Everybody has nothing but good things to say about them, and I'm not naming them, so I'm not speaking ill of the dead. I'm just talking about the principles. That they were not taking care of others. They were using others, abusing others, putting themselves first over others. Again, that not pay it for it, but bill it for it. Let somebody else pay for it. I'm not giving up my benefits. Actually, they, I know of one that shouted that. They weren't, nobody better touch my benefits. Even if people are bankrupt and everybody's losing and everybody has to pay the debt. I'm not giving up my benefits. I want my benefits over other people. Saw them do the same thing with raising a child. And it caused the same rifts and problems in the relationship of that child with the parent. It, it's, it's, uh, but they don't want to see the truth. They don't want to see that they are a part of the problem. Government is not your problem. The rulers of the earth are not your problem. You are your problem. That if you, if you don't want to see that, if you don't want to see your part in the problem, if you want to blame everything on everybody else, their lack of understanding, their greed, their selfishness, their their quest for power, their deceitfulness. Their, I mean, a con man, you know what a con man uses to con somebody more than anything else? He uses the con 
in your own heart. He appeals to your greed, your avarice, your selfishness, your sloth. That's how he gains control over you. Adam was already on his way to the fall before he fell. He he did not fall because he was deceived. If you read the context, you know he knew. He he recognizes that what he is being asked to consume, to eat of, which wasn't an apple, but this eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he knew that he was not to do that. He was not deceived. His sin was not the result of the deception of others. They may have tried to deceive him, but he knew. His sin was that he refused to admit that he was in error. That he was doing wrong. What's your sin? You know, we can blame, you know, our failed marriage on our spouse. We can blame the uh, our uh, irresponsive uh, child, our uncaring child, our... Uh, and I was trying to think of, I mean, the children have lots of different, sometimes they're precocious, but sometimes they're actually almost malevolent. And the self-destructive nature in our own children, that's there because of us, because we were not the light that we should have been. We were not the light that we should have been because we were not willing to let the truth about our own hearts to be revealed to us, much less to other people. This is why confession is such an important part of Christ's teachings and uh, the teachings in the Bible. I'm not talking about confessions in a dark room with a priest. I'm talking about admitting the truth about ourselves, confessing to ourselves. And occasionally, we need to confess to others openly. I am a sinner. I am weak. I am need of mercy because I am a sinner. <laughs> you know, it's back to me. It's me. It's not somebody else. Because as soon as you start moving in that direction, seeing your part in it, and forgiving yourself, don't... if See, all these people who go out and kill other people and then kill themselves, like you hear me talk about that, that that's a particular spiritual pattern. There's lots of spiritual patterns out there. And, I mean, it's it's a demonic, hellish, spiritual obsession of destroying others and then destroying yourself. That has to do with uh, forgiveness. Now, the reverse of that is to forgive others so that you can forgive yourself and be forgiven. So you cannot hold animosity towards others. They are ignorant. They are foolish. They are slothful. They are neglectful. They are ambitious. They are unappreciative. You cannot hold that against them. You are not judged. God is judged. Do not judge them. It brings you into judgment. And I'm talking about emotional. Now, that doesn't mean that, well, I always let child molesters do my babysitting because we have to forgive. No, you don't give license to sin. But you don't judge it. You can see it and observe it. You can recognize it. You can even tell them. But you do it without judgment. You don't hold it against them. Now sometimes 
I speak emotionally, like, you know, that somebody, I'm not supposed to say that people were stupid or people are foolish or anything. And But the fact is, I do that to emphasize that they are on a fool's errand when they are out to save themselves. And they don't stop being foolish. They continue to be foolish and they go the way of fools. But when you're out to save others, when you care about others, and this is why God gives the family. Because the nature of the family is that you have to think about your spouse. You have to put them first. And over your own ambitions, desires, wants, self-gratification, you have, you have to put them first in that effort to live. Their life is as important as your own, maybe a little more important. And then if they do the same, if they honor your sacrifice, your life will become as important as their life, or maybe a little more important. You have that, you have a family. Now you have two different opposing natures. The nature of a woman, the nature of a man. And they are coming into a, a synchronization of the soul. They both care about one another as much as they care about themselves. Now I'll get into the the discussion of what happens when one of them doesn't. <laughs> Everybody always brings that up first. Yeah, but what happens if she doesn't or he doesn't care about me as much as I care about him? As soon as that argument comes up in your mind, you know your focus is not right. You're, you're, you're doing, you're adamant, eving the situation again. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's her fault. <laughs> it's his fault. Get that out of your head. Look at the universe with you at the center. Not only of all the good things the universe has to offer, but of all the responsibility that goes along with that. So anyway, don't, don't fall into that trap. You probably already have. I mean, it is so common. Yeah, but what about them? <laughs> you know, so, no, no, let's focus on something you can do something about, you. And I, I said I'd get to it, let's go to it right now. What happens if you enter into the relationship of marriage, or any kind of relationship, friendship, marriage, father-son, uh, mother-daughter, father-daughter, any of these relationships, if you enter into them with the character of Christ, you enter into it to serve. And of course we know you don't want to serve the evil in a person. You know, I've actually seen parents do this. And, and you've seen it too. You may not have put it together in this word, but almost everybody has seen it. Where the parent overindulges the child. Gives the child everything they want. Not everything they need. Everything they should have. But everything they want. As if they're winning the child's approval. And people do this without even thinking about it. They want to give gifts to their child. They want to give presents to their child. They want to give caresses to their child. They want to give hugs to their child. But why? Are they coming to serve what is righteous in their child? Or to make their child self-indulgent. Well, most people end up making their 
I shouldn't say most people. Most rich people end up making their children as self-indulgent as they are. They're rich. They can have anything they want. And they want to make their children as self-indulgent as they are. They don't want to make their children unselfish. Now, I've seen children who of rich people who become unselfish go off on the missions and, and they just work themselves to death trying to be the opposite of the self-indulgent parent. But they're doing it to prove their parent wrong. They're not doing it to save their parent. They're doing it to as a as a reaction to their parent. Because they they're they're being kind to other people because they hate their parent. <laughs> you know, it, that is not going to bear good fruit. It will seem to. You have lots of poor people who will gather around you. You know, the rice bowl Christians. That, no, there is no escaping. Righteousness is righteousness. And that's what you're supposed to be seeking. Yes, you should help people. You can even start the missions and go on the missions. But you don't do it to prove that your father was selfish or your mother was selfish and self-indulgent rich person which you despise and hate. You're judging them. So, you know, what? however your problems are manifesting themselves, you have to see that. In order to see that, you have to be still. Because your brain is a a tempest of waves and currents that you can't control. You, you, you can't rest at night many times without maybe drinking or working yourself to exhaustion. Now, I, I'm a person, I don't sleep much at night. I, I, you know, five hours is about all I do. And, and I, I work, uh, manual labor most of the day. And then, uh, I work, uh, writing and answering phone calls, even in the middle of the radio program <laughs> or whatever. I, you know, uh, try to help people. And like I talked this morning that we have minister call on, on Mondays. And if you have sat down in the tens, hundreds and thousands and talked to your minister and working with your minister, not to save yourself, not to get benefits for yourself, but to benefit others. And that takes a while before you get to that because the, no sooner does somebody benefit others, and, and you know, through contributions or whatever, then he wants others to benefit him back. He wants those gifts to come back to him. That's not the way the kingdom works. The way the kingdom works is that you... You cast your bread upon the waters and you do it through your congregation. You don't send it off to the United Way. I mean, you can do that if you want. But uh, you do it through a network of people that is trying to gather for the in the name of Christ. A network of people that are trying to gather to care for one another as much as we care for ourselves. And so you gather together in that network and so you give through that network. You don't send it to me necessarily. I mean, people can. You know, we had this discussion with one of the ministers just the other day where somebody sends to me and they don't give to their local congregation. 
No, you empower others to make choices. So you give to your local congregation and your local minister takes control of that. And then he decides, do we need it here in this congregation? Okay, we don't. Then he decides where to give it. Some of it he will give to his minister and some of it he may give to other congregations directly. Or spend it in the community as an outreach to try to get other people to go back to what we used to have in this country, which what actually made America great, go back to a society that takes care of 90% of all of its needy by charity. And I could say 99.9% of all of its needy by charity, not by forced contributions. That's what made America great. Not the Constitution, not presidents, not the Bill of Rights, but the willingness to sacrifice ourselves for our fellow man. Then we were a nation of love, a nation of righteousness. Everybody wasn't righteous in America, but that was what made America great. That's what gave it its real power. They have natural resources in South America, but why didn't they become as great as the United States, as powerful as the United States? Now, our goal is not to become powerful. Our goal is not to become happy. Our goal is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The right to be ruled by God on an individual basis and the righteousness of God. That has to be our goal. Everything else will be added unto you if that is the way you choose to go. It's very important. That you personally choose that way to go and go that way. So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Well, welcome back. So in uh, that little promo that uh, I often play on this uh, particular broadcast, we talk about the, the keys of the kingdom in the past, in the present, and in the future. And the keys of the kingdom are the same. In the past, the present, and the future. The kingdom of God is the same. God is the same. I tell you the truth, so are you the same. And you need to become different. You need to think a different way. In order to do that, you need God to guide you in how you think. And the way you think. And the thoughts that enter into your mind. Because right now, many of the thoughts that enter into your mind come into your mind by way of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You become predestined by all those other forces working upon you. They make you angry. They make you happy. They make you unhappy. And you have no control over that. So how do you get control over that? You repent. You think differently. Well, what different way are you supposed to think? How do you know what way to think? So what I'm saying to you is that if you follow a certain path, and you will find that difficult at times, When you go that way, and that's what Christianity was, was a way. It will bring bring you face to face with your failings, which is sometimes painful. And you will either endure that pain, accept that pain, so that you can go on and grow, or you will run from it. And I've seen time and time again that people come to us, start joining the network, they make realizations, they understand stuff, they think... You know, I agree with you 100%. I'm going to do this and that. Oh, this is great. And all of a sudden they get to a place where they're looking for a way out. And the reason they're looking for a way out is they have finally come face to face with that that they do not want to see. That which they want to hide from. About themselves. 
know, there's lots of layers to almost everybody's delusion. They might see things, feel things, experience things, be connected to things, be obsessed by things, be addicted to things that they should not and sometimes don't want to have anything to do with and they can't seem to break that addiction. And we can help them break that addiction addiction and overcome that delusion so they will become free again, maybe unite them with their family, maybe uh, make them a functioning member of society again so that they can go out and support themselves and be a benefit to others. But you know what? After you overcome one delusion, you know what's underneath that? It's another delusion. It may not be as extreme or as costly to them, you know, physically or emotionally or spiritually, but it's still delusion. So now we have to deal with that underlying delusion. There's another one. You know, I told people this, that, you know, pain is a gift. You know, all God's punishments are gifts. God does not punish you with any other intention but to gift you. To give you what you need. As many as I love, I also rebuke. Rebuke is a gift. When I say that's nonsense, you're being stupid. You're being foolish. That's a gift. I'm not, I'm not saying it to put you down. I'm, I'm showing you, you know, you're stepping on a nail. (laughs) You're hitting your finger with a hammer. Stop. It's hurting you. You have your head in a microwave. Take it out. You know, I'm just trying to awaken you to something that is doing damage to you. I'm not telling you things to put you down or make you feel bad. But I'm not going to tell you things to make you feel good either. So some people say I'm too hard on people. I'm not even talking talking generalities. Most people who go to Christian church are actually workers of iniquity and pushing against what Christ said to do. They're not just not doing what Christ said to do. They're pushing against what Christ said to do. And that's why you get these stories about all these, you know, priests who are torturing these children and abusing these children and everything. And it's not all priests, but I mean, there was evidently a sizable amount of people that were doing it. But many other priests who never engage in such actions would not tolerate such actions. They're doing something else. They're tickling the ears of the people so they don't actually look for God and righteousness. They're making people, this is more common amongst Protestants, they're making people feel self-righteous or mistaken self-righteousness for righteousness. So, one is an abusive violent, traumatic treatment of the poor and the victim of society, the the helpless of society. The other one is slow poison. So which one is more evil? You know, the guy who's slowly turning up the temperature to boil the frog is just as guilty as the one who plunges a knife into its heart or stomps it with his foot Both end in the destruction of the frog. Both end in the destruction of others and their souls and their opportunities and their life. Your life is an opportunity to choose God, to choose life, 
The way you choose God and choose life is to choose life for others. Choose to give life to others. If you had an abusive wife who lied to you, cheated, was lazy, put you down, humiliated you in front of other people, what do you think would come of such actions if you actually had the love of Christ in you for her and everybody else around you? Do you think she would have had the power to do that? The husband who beats you and abuses you. I mean, how many women do you know that were abused by their husband? And I don't want to excuse that in any way, shape, or form. I mean, the reason woman was built... I mean, she has a, a, a sometimes a more challenging physical task than her husband because she has to... You know, the, the old comedian who goes to work and comes home and he sees his wife laying on the couch and he sees the house is a little bit of a mess... And he thinks, well, what did you do today? And she looks at him and she says, I made a lung. Because <laughs> she's pregnant. And she's making a baby. That's a job. That That's quite a job to make a baby. It's even more of a job to raise that child. To take care of that child. With love and patience. Because if you don't do it with love and patience, you're not going to get the same results. If you don't do it with the same willing sacrifice, you know, these women who abort their babies, you know, maybe their sin is not as great as the women who have the baby but abuse that child and and create a demon in that child, a home for demons in that child because of the way in which they traumatize and abuse that child. I don't excuse either one. Both are destructive. Like I said, well, what's worth? worse, stomping uh, a, a frog or slow poison stomping a child in abortion or letting the child be born and then poisoning it poisoning its heart poisoning its mind poisoning its body so that you know I mean, the number of children I know that are overweight and their parents are all overweight because they don't have good eating habits they don't have good habits of self-control they're, they're not they're not giving life. They, they, they're raising their children to be like them so that they will feel justified when they look at the despicable lives of their children. And I've seen it. I mean, it's, it's heart-wrenching. I could go through the details of it. Anybody who, you know, their children are overweight. They're overweight. When their kids home, come home from school, they buy them five candy bars apiece every day. And their children, I mean, so that when the child is 15 years old, they weigh 300 pounds going to school. They have to have knee operations before they're 20 because they've destroyed their knees trying to carry 300 pounds around all the time. More than 300 pounds. What, and it's not genetic. It's, it's the, it's predestined. But it's only predestined by the choice they make early on to not see the truth about themselves and their own self-indulgence. So, you know, what? now those are extreme cases. It's easy to point to the ex- extreme cases and say, oh, look what you're doing. Oh, look what they're doing. Oh, yeah, but looking and seeing what they're doing, it may have some value 
in your quest for the truth, but unless you couple it with as much intensity to know what are you doing, it's not going to help you. The only thing that really will bring about that change is admission and confession. That you you are willing to see your fault, your failing. Because if you don't, you will have no control over your future. You will be predestined to repeat the same mistakes. People say if you don't learn from history, you're condemned to repeat it. Well, let's take that down to something a little less expansive than the history of mankind. And let's take a look at your history. What have you done wrong? Now, you can look at what you have done wrong with this human inflection, this human insight, uh, human reflection upon your own life. But that's now you're looking at your past life as a historical narrative, which is your your history, your 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 it's your knowledge of your history. Well I can guarantee you everybody's knowledge of their history is selective. You can always remember easier what you did to others rather than what uh excuse me, I, I said that in reverse. You can always remember selectively what others did to you rather than what you did to others. You don't want to look at your failings. I understand that. But if you want to grow, that's where you have to start. And you have to do it with a heart that is willing to forgive yourself. Do not judge yourself. You have no right to judge others, nor do you have a right to judge yourself. You are a product. You are predestined by choices made a long time ago by your parents and by you to be what you are today. You don't get to blame it on your parents. That's just what you inherited. Those are the burdens you inherited. That's one of the things. Was this man, you know, crippled because of the sins of his parents or his own sins? The fact is the burdens that you receive, the heartache that you receive, again, is not meant to punish you, but to awaken you so that you may have life more abundant. God, you know, we just call it punishment because it hurt. We just call it punishment because it was inconvenient. Because it violated our happiness, supposedly. But the reality is that punishment is trying to bring you to greater happiness. And I'll give you the phenomena that I was going to talk to you about briefly. Just we'll move it over into the physical realm. Because now everything in the physical realm has a pre-existing spiritual identity and characteristic and reality. The world, you know, I said this morning, you can't see God, but you can see what he made. And you can see God in what he made. And one of the things he made was you. He didn't make you do bad things, but the very nature of you he created. So everything in creation is a reflection of the existence of God and the character of God. So what does that mean? Okay, now that, that's, it's independent of your interpretation of what you see. It's independent of what you're willing to see and what you're not willing to see. It's independent of that. But the reality is the, the image of God is in nature. It's in there. 
You may not be good at seeing it or deciphering it, but it's in there. But we'll reduce this down to a physical reality. Okay, you have a pain. And I tell people when you have a pain, physical pain, injury, sickness, something, just a pain that occurs in you. And you wonder, like, what's that? Well, that's good. That's, that's, that's the first step. You ask the question. Now, did you ask rightly? Did you say, what is that? Oh, now, what is that? Oh, what is that? You know, uh, as, you know, what is that? When you put in that other inflection, you don't really want to know. You're already warring against the pain. You're slapping the pain. You're fighting against the pain. You're resenting the pain. You're rejecting the pain. You're angry at the pain. You're resentful of the pain. Whatever. You've disempowered the pain. Whatever is causing the pain has received power from you because of the way in which you ask, what is that? When you ask, Lord, what are you trying to tell me with this pain? (laughs) My dearest Lord and God and creator of heaven and earth, what does thou seek to give me? Enlighten me. Share with me in this pain. Thank you, Lord, for this pain. That was one of the things the Essenes would often do. Somebody was torturing an Essene. They said they would bless them and thank them for being tortured. That's actually a a clever way of dealing with... If you're going to be tortured, that's a clever way of dealing with the torture. (laughs) That's good. Now, you can't just imitate it. You have to really live it. But anyway, and there's a reason why. It has to do with the psychology of mankind. You can't get away from it. It's just built in you from the beginning. But now, what's the second step? Other than to look at the pain as a messenger. And of course it is. I mean, if you step on a thorn and you feel that thorn in your foot. You know, I stepped on uh, uh, some greasewood the other day. And I had these rubber, thin rubber sole shoes on. The greasewood went right up into my shoe and into the ball of my foot. And I got the message. <laughs> I am stepping on something sharp. And my I got the message right away. And I was able to, you know, kind of curl up my foot and take my weight off my foot and reach down there. And I pull out this two-inch thorn that went up into my foot. I've done the same before with nails and stuff like that. Because the pain was giving me a message. Don't put your foot down. You know, you touch a stove and it's hot. And you feel a little bit of that burn. What do you do? Let go. <laughs> you know, it hurts. Uh, because there's a message in that. This is hot. Don't touch me anymore. <laughs> so, you have other pains in your body. You know, in your stomach, in your side, and wherever. And you feel that pain. Or in your legs, or in your knees. You feel that pain. Go to the pain. With the love of Christ. Accept the pain. Accept it as a gift. It's trying to tell you something. Don't resent it. Don't fight against it. Don't war against it. Go to the pain. Feel the pain. Be aware of the pain. Forgive the pain. And now this is a phenomenon that is reported back to me a lot of times. I probably shouldn't tell it on the radio to everybody, but I know there aren't millions of people listening to me. <laughs> but uh, so I'll give. I mean, and this is a part of a hint. 
showing you something in, in the physical reality of our personalities, our corporeal and incorporeal personalities, that if you understand, and you will not understand if you're going to eat just of the tree of knowledge, you have to eat of the tree of life to really understand this, that when you go to the pain with a forgiving, loving, patient uh, heart, it may go away. But it may also seem to reappear. It'll actually seem to move to another place. Like those beetles in the movie, what was it, uh, Mummies. <laughs> they get under your skin and run around underneath there. The pain will actually seem to move to another place. And uh, I've actually seen that lump-like beetle moving around on people. And I wasn't alone. Other people saw it. I, I was talking to somebody and somebody else was talking to them. At the same time, we were both ministers. One would say something, the other one would say something. It was one of those moments where we were really confronting the evil that lurked in the person. And we did it because deep down the person was a small child. They had never matured beyond their own trauma as a child. And they were much older. They were in their 60s. And we were talking to them. And I would say something, and you would see this, I mean, it was a large lump, like a, like the beetles in the movie, uh, protruding through the skin. It would run over to the other side. It would just move all the way across, uh, from one shoulder, all the way across in front of the neck, and over to the other shoulder. And you would see it move. And then the other guy would start to talk to her. And it was a very loving, patient talk. You could, she was under a little bit of strain and pressure. Uh, but uh, we were comforting her at the same time. We weren't ganging up on her. We were ganging up on that little thing running back and forth. Because when he would begin to talk, it would run back to the other side where I was. <laughs> it has happened almost more than half a dozen times. We would see it moving back and forth. And we never said a thing about it. And then until afterwards, we went to get something to eat and everything. It was all great. There were other people in the room, everything. Most of them were oblivious to what was going on. And actually, just recently, I heard that person has reconnected, I believe, with one of the people that were in the room, which will do them no good. They That individual will do them harm. He's a user and a con person. I I love him. I hope the best for him, but he is bound in that, and unless he's repented and changed, he is still the same person, and he will not be able to change. But the reality is, if they're getting connected back with that person and going there, instead of seeking the kingdom and his righteousness, that little thing that was running back and forth in that person will get more and more power, and life is going on. They will not live much longer. We pray and hope that they may live. But the reality was, on the way back to get something to eat, we were walking along and all of a sudden he says, Hey, and did you see that thing moving back and forth? <laughs> he was seeing it. I was seeing it. There weren't very many other people in the room that were seeing it. They were engrossed in other things. But uh we both were aware of it. We said nothing about it. And we were aware that there was there was evil presence in that person. Now, that person isn't evil. But evil was present in that person and making use of that person as a habitation. 
So much so that it actually manifested a physical presence in her. Exactly what that was that was manifesting the physical presence. There's a lot of things under the sun that everybody doesn't know. But the fact is, as I was speaking to her, it moved away from me. As he was speaking to her, it moved away from him. But it didn't leave her. Because in order for it to leave her, she must be willing to see it. But if she would be willing to see it, and see the truth that we were imparting to her in the form of words, because that's all I'm giving you now, is the form of That's what you're hearing over the radio and over the recordings, is a form. You know, it's it's it, I'm painting a picture of principles with words and stories. But in order for those principles to dwell in you as power and virtue, the virtue that came out of Christ and went into another woman and healed her, that kind of virtue that actually shines out, in order to receive that virtue, you must be willing to see the truth about yourself. But anyway, when you go to the pain that you feel, you're all alone, your prayer closet, you have this pain that's been kind of nagging, you feel it, you go to it, you forgive it, you... you experience don't hide from it don't drug yourself away from it but receive it you often feel it diminish but then you'll feel it pop up like it's popping up in another realm what it actually is it's it's going to the next layer because all your problems come from the original trauma and it comes in many different forms the the original trauma is is actually will eventually take you back to that original trauma of the nature of sin and then you will be free. If you go all the way back there and see it, and it flees before you. You can't destroy it, but your willingness to see the truth about yourself, feel the truth with forgiveness and love and patience, will drive evil out of you. It will drive evil away. You're not doing it yourself because it's the light of God coming into you, but if you want to make, bring the light of God into you, how is it that we, that God said, you, I will not hear you? Because because you would not hear him. So now hear him. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another as Christ has loved us. Cast your bread upon the waters. Love your enemy. Love the fool. Don't be the fool. Do this together with others because it's hard enough to do it on your own, but you can deceive yourself about whether you really love others. Most of those people I told you about that were destroying themselves, they thought they loved others. They thought they loved their child, but they almost destroyed their child. So, seeking that kingdom of God in congregations, linked with congregations, is the way to go. It It isn't the answer. But if you go that way, the answer will find you. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church 
at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.